0: You're listening to Women Making Waves. Captain Jennifer Stevenson, Linda, well, what an incredibly lovely lady. She so enjoys her job and that for me was very interesting how she's trained to become a pilot. Um, after doing a psychology degree, which obviously I don't want to give too much away, but I loved it because she decided to change course and now she's a pilot. That's absolutely amazing. You know, that's something I've always fancied doing. Have you really? Yes, I have. I have been up in a little Cessna and taken <gasps> the controls for a short time. But I think a helicopter pilot, that must be quite amazing. I'd love to try that. And she flies for three charities, so she's got a quite a big responsible job. This is Captain Jennifer Stevenson talking to me about her life as a pilot.
1: Still, um, people that kind of yeah ask me, I step out of the helicopter walk straight past me looking for someone else or they ask me what I do and I'm like well, I'm in a flying suit so I'd like to think that you thought I was a pilot otherwise um, I'm not just serving tea <laughs>
0: with Captain Jennifer Stevenson. She is a pilot with Babcock Mission Critical Services On Shore. and you have also working, you're a touring pilot with many, many charities. Lovely to have you here, Jennifer. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, it's always good to promote women doing extraordinary stuff and I would definitely say you're doing extraordinary stuff. You told me earlier that you're not only a pilot for East Anglian Air Ambulance Services but you are a pilot for many other charities. You're a touring pilot and that's something I have never heard of before. Can you just explain a little bit about that?
1: Yes, certainly. For a long time I was based at one particular area in Cambridge but last year um, I got my captaincy and I was able to take on a touring role which means that I can now travel across the country working with different charities, uh, flying in different environments and just sort of seeing a bit more of the country really.
0: And how many charities do you actually fly for then?
1: Personally um, so I'm just rated on one type of helicopter so the charities that I fly with are the Wales Air Ambulance, the Midlands Air Ambulance and the East Anglican Air Ambulance.
0: Wow so that's a full-time job.
1: Yes certainly <laughs> yes.
0: And where are you actually stationed then? You're stationed in Cambridge?
1: Yeah so I am I live in Cambridge now I moved down here when I got the job uh, four years ago but um, the good thing good thing. about touring is that you can pretty much live all over the country because we're traveling all the time we're not in one we're not fixed to one place.
0: Flying, Um, is it in your blood or has it always been in your blood or has it taken a while for you to get into?
1: No I'd say it's definitely always been in my blood yeah since the age of five that's all I ever wanted to do and I just feel so fortunate that I'm actually getting to do my dream childhood job yeah.
0: Well when you say at the age of five Were you given airplanes to play with instead of dolls or... or, I don't understand how... I mean, have your family, are they, are are quite... No, no,
1: no, not at all. Um, I just, I think, I was just always so fascinated by flight. So obviously going on family holidays when we were much younger in sort of like normal standard jumbo jets I, I was just I loved that perspective of the world and um, my father used to work for a oil company and so he used to get transported by helicopters and I remember going to wave him off and just from there I think
0: obsession started really. When did you actually decide that you were going to take it quite seriously then?
1: A couple of trial flights and loved like, loved it it was always kind of still a, a pipe dream really so I went to university I, I did my degree um And I came, I had a gap year, went travelling, and I worked abroad. Um, Actually worked in South Africa for a game capture company who used the helicopters to drive the animals into the corrals. Thought, yeah, that would be a pretty cool job. But again, never really thought it was something possible, just because of the money that it takes to
0: Learn. So where did you learn to fly your helicopter? Where were your experience? Because, you know, everybody goes away on work experience, but <laughs> you seem to be doing work experience extraordinaire. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: it was after my degree and I'd come back from travelling. I was looking, obviously, for a career path and something to do and it, my mum sort of said well you still love the idea of flying why don't you just go and have a trial lesson see if you like it uh, so I went to Haley York's uh, flight school up in Humberside. How old were you this time? Um, I was that was in 2010 so 25 um, and yeah I was just hooked and I couldn't get enough of it and so I, yeah my mum just sort of said I, well, you know, I know it's expensive I know it's going to be hard work but you're more than capable and it's no different to in Investing in a property to investing in yourself. So I like had a lot of support through her. And, yeah, and then it just went from there, really.
0: And what was the qualification you got for so that? So
1: I did my uh, private pilot's license up in Humberside, uh, and my instructor there, who also was a female, uh, encouraged me to go to the States, to our build, where it was cheaper, and I could get it done in quicker time because of the weather. Uh, and while I was there, working um, training with a company called Cloud9, I they said, well if you'd like to do your instructor's rating we'd really like to have you on as an instructor so I did that got an incredible amount of hours and experience with them over the period of three or four months came back to do my commercial pilot's license over here and I did my instrument rating with what was Bondair Services and I think basically that was like a two week long interview process because six months later when a co-pilot job at Cambridge came up um, I'm invited to apply for the position and then I was lucky enough to to get it so yeah
0: wow. <laughs> a bit wow. of a whirlwind. <laughs> because you did you went through school and you got your psychology degree yeah. did you ever think then it was in the back of your mind you thought I, you know I'm, I'm going to get this degree but Did you ever think beyond that, that you might be getting it?
1: No, not really. I chose psychology because it was a subject I was interested in, and I thought that it would be very applicable to many different career paths. So flying, I mean, although it was always at the back of my mind, always there in my thoughts, again, I never really thought it was a possibility until I I went and did it and then couldn't think of anything else.
0: (laughs) And when you were training, Jennifer, did you find that there were you were surprised at how little or maybe there are quite a few women in america training to be pilots
1: there's definitely more women in america um i I came across certainly over here i've only come into contact with three or four other in the uk yeah i'm sure there are many more out there but personally i've only had contact with probably four others in america there were sort of other female pilots that i was working with and, and instructing so it's definitely there's a higher volume over in the States.
0: What did you find really was quite the most challenging or the surprising part about training? As you say, you've always wanted to be a pilot. What surprised you when you were training to be a pilot?
1: I guess just the wealth of knowledge that um, pilots have to acquire. So we have to do 14 written exams for our commercial pilot's licence and they include things like air law, human perf- um, performance and physiology principles of flight general navigation meteorology i just i it, it was kind of overwhelming how much how many different and variety of subjects
0: that you have to learn, and I, so I've read somewhere that you don't necessarily have to have a maths degree or a science degree, but obviously, as you were saying earlier, you mm-hmm. have to have an aptitude for it. Yeah. So obviously, you did, and so in the back of your mind, I think you always knew you had that. Yeah. But what would you say to many girls and women now that want to get into be a pilot? I mean, how would you? How would we inspire them? Because there is definitely a shortage, first of all, of pilots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but there are only five percent of pilots that are that are women actually yeah. in the uk which is a bit of a shocker yes. <laughs> Crazy. it's a bit sad but uh, what how would you how would you inspire someone to do well inspire women really?
1: I just say that really anything is possible if you want to do something enough, then there's no way there's nothing that can stop you yes you have to have to have an aptitude for math and science, but there's nothing to say that you can't learn that and with some help and, and tutoring the if you have a natural ability it's yeah it's kind of anything is possible.
0: The actual courses there I mean they are expensive aren't they to train I yeah. mean that's probably one of the biggest hurdles isn't it is it's expense to these courses How how would we get around that?
1: I'd, yeah, I'd say so. The expense is kind of phenomenal and especially more so for helicopters than uh, fixed wing. But um, like I say, it is cheaper in the States still. So obviously that is one alternative. A lot of um, pilots are ex-military. So again, that's another route uh, that could be investigated. But I think maybe just more investment into sort of scholarships and, and bringing females into the sort of like the STEM subjects of technology and engineering sort of side of things and just that yeah promotion and awareness
0: really. And we were also talking earlier about the Girl Guide group Brownies and they've launched yeah. this new badge which is the aviation badge which is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I remember going to Brownies and I don't think I would have ever ever thought that no. would be the case. <laughs> you've been able to talk to them, you've been invited to talk to the Brownies. Did they seem surprised that a woman was walking in and she She was a pilot.
1: Yes, yeah, very much so. And, I, yeah, I got a lot of um, questions like, are you allowed to wear makeup or do you get to do your hair? But there were some other really interesting, sort of, like, more in-depth questions. I, um, I remember one little girl asked me what it was like to be a woman in the industry. And it's kind of like, yeah, it blows me away that even young girls now are thinking sort of along those lines
0: yes in a good way in a very good way yeah Yeah. and
1: just sort of broadening their horizons and like I say not just thinking about the traditional sort of women's role caring nursing teaching but thinking outside of that
0: when we when you take your flight when you have to and you're called to Mm -hmm. do your flights how do you prepare yourself when you actually have to go and fly to rescue people or
1: i don't know if there's if there's anything you can really do to prepare yourself i think the minute you kind of put on your flight suit and step into the the base for a day of work you are automatically preparing yourself for the for the day ahead and naturally with the job comes with its people's worst days of their lives and there's nothing that can ever really quite prepare you for that but i think the main thing for me is uh, my job is to get my crew to the the scene of the accident or incident as safely and as efficiently as possible, and they are my priority um, to get yeah to to do my job as as best as possible and to give them as much support as I can when we get there.
0: When you were taken on by East Anglian uh, ambulance services, you trained the same time as Prince William. Yeah. So I thought that was rather lovely that you were teamed up, and I was I was really I loved the picture of you teamed up with all the men. That was a really <laughs> quite an important moment for me. Yeah. Did it? Did you feel like you were treated the same as Prince William and all the others there?
1: Yeah, definitely. I've like. Certainly, working with Babcock, I've never felt like I was treated any differently to anyone else working there, and I am the only female pilot working for them, so it is kind of extraordinary, really. But yeah, it all—it was all very, very much the same. William was treated exactly the same as any of us, and as was I.
0: That's fantastic. And do you feel—do you feel exhilarating when it when you're up there? Do you find that? I mean, does it does it even enter your mind that you feel exhilarated because you have a job to do and you're certainly qualified to do the job do you, but you do you have a tinge sometimes do you, so you sort of sort of tap yourself on the shoulder <laughs> and think am i really here
1: every day <laughs> every single day i can never quite believe it because you do have those moments where you're coming back from a job and there's this beautiful like cloudless clear day um over somewhere like the welsh mountains or the norfolk roars and you just kind of it just hits you out of nowhere and you just think oh my goodness i cannot believe that this is me i'm doing this i'm the the one like in charge and responsible i'm in control of this flying machine up here at a thousand feet and it's just such a a privileged place to be and uh, yeah i every day gets me excited. I love it.
0: Another question I want to ask from what you just said, are you ever frightened about going up there?
1: No, never. <laughs> <laughs> never. It's never even so sort of crossed my mind to be scared of it because I just love it so much.
0: Do you have to sort of bond with your aircraft? Do you have to sort of I know you have to familiarize mm. yourself, but but do you have yeah. to bond?
1: I uh, I think so. I, I mean, every different aircraft has its own like niggles and quirks, just like every sort of person or animal. So you do feel like it has its own personality at times, which is <laughs> a bit strange. But you, you do kind of have this affiliation with certainly the aircraft that I was flying in a Cambridge base, Hem I flew that for three and a half years. And, and you, you get to know every noise and vibration. So you know when something's wrong or something's not quite right.
0: And you just have to. Yeah. yeah. And because and, I'm always fascinated by that, because I always think that you must know your your equipment inside out mm. and do you have do you have a do you find that in in Cambridge or with um, any of the charities do you have a sort of a community with your pilots do you find that you're always in tune or you have a communication with them
1: yeah i certainly when I was a base pilot in Cambridge there were um, seven pilots in total there so it, and it was because it was a multi-crew environment we were working with each other sort of day in day out day out, handing over to one another all of the, the problems not just with the, the aircraft but things that would come up sort of like drone activity or working on the airbase and, and just so you do definitely have to work in conjunction with a lot of other people and obviously the medical team as well but we have um, a great base engineer at every base that looks after the aircraft so also our relationship with them, letting them know as soon as something happens so that they can sort of, like, put it to right, really.
0: And what about women before you? Are you the first woman on to working with East Angle and all these charities, or have there been women before you...
1: Um, I'm certainly the first woman that has worked with East Anglican Air Ambulance, uh, the first female pilot to work with Wales Air Ambulance, and I think I was the first woman to work with the Midlands as well. So, I mean, there are other female pilots out there working with different charities, but for those particular ones, I was, yeah, the first.
0: And actually, I haven't really asked you, what exactly are the helicopters? What are they called? I mean, we must get that right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, so the, the, the type of model that I fly is the Eurocopter, One Four Five, which is a slightly bigger sister to the other Eurocopter One Three Five that the company also run. And depending on what the charity prefers, depends on which helicopter they they like
0: really i'd love to ask you uh, your day if you had to describe a moment that you when you're working can you describe the the adrenaline and and what you have to do when you're called i'm not saying i want to sensationalize it but i really want to get into the to how you live that moment and how you have to drive yourself to go on a mission
1: well, there's certainly a lot to think about. So, I mean, and we go from sort of very sedentary, sitting at a computer, doing sort of paperwork. Waiting or, for waiting, the moment. Mm. A lot of waiting. And then all of a sudden the phone goes and it is sort of like not to 100 miles an hour You suddenly think about, you've got to think about, okay, right, where am I going? Is the weather okay? Who am I going to need to talk to en route? Where am I going to land? It's everything kind of like rushes through your head all at once. Um, And then you get into the helicopter, and obviously, then you start it. There's checks to be made and and making sure that everything is running smoothly and in accordance with how it should be. You lift into the air and then you're en route. And then, like I say, you're starting to think about the landing phase and and where you need to go and and what you need to do. All all the while checking that you're talking to the right agency and that the fuel is... draining as it, is. it should be. you're using as much fuel as you should be, it's not um, too much or too little, there's no problems with the aircraft and you're on the right track and, and things like so that. So it's
0: not just getting into the, the, the plane or no, the helicopter, it, it, there's a lot of preparation that you have to do way before, during and after.
1: Yeah, yeah, from like the moment, even sort of like the start of day, we go in and we prepare the helicopter, so fuel samples to make sure that there's no, no water in the fuel to enable it to Start properly uh, checking over maintenance wise to make sure that nothing's happened overnight or um, nothing untoward. Yeah, planning, uh, briefing the, the medical team on the daily weather and the, the aircraft status, whether it's got any maintenance due on it and stuff like that. So it really is like you get in and you you've, there's always something to do. And same with in the air. If you're not thinking about the next stage, then there's you're probably missing something.
0: Do you think that the more experienced pilots and people in the industry, do you think they also take a a moment to ask the new people coming in? Because you always have new ideas, Mm. new ideas, new people. Do you think that happens quite a bit in the aviation industry?
1: Again, I'd like to think now we're, we're making steps towards that, and it, there's definitely more happening. I think even when I first started to fly, I think there's a, still a lot of kind of like old school thought and ideas, and people didn't necessarily like to move forward with certain aspects. But now, again, with the sort of multi crew thing coming in, there's more opportunity to talk to each other and bounce ideas off of each other and put those forward to uh suggestions. So I do think it's yeah, I and certainly like uh, Babcock are quite good for that as well.
0: Do you always see yourself in the aviation industry? Do you think you're so diversing doing other things? You sound like you absolutely <laughs> love what you do. Yeah, I don't even know why do. I'm asking that yeah. question, but I've just got to ask it anyway. Yeah.
1: No, I don't, like, I couldn't see myself doing anything anything else. I think this will be now me now until i retire
0: (laughs) well i hope you do some more talks to younger generation because you've got the enthusiasm and you've got the skill and you're doing a job that i think literally kicks stereotypes doesn't it
1: yeah well yeah it's a bit weird because i never think of myself as doing that but yeah i guess it still does
0: i always think it's great to be really honest and say i'm strong are you strong do you feel strong in in what you do
1: um, in what I do, yeah. I mean, there's definitely times when I don't feel strong. Like taking on this captaincy, for example, um, it was a big step. I was a co-pilot in a multi-pilot role and then all of a sudden I was a solo pilot um, captain touring around the country at, in unfamiliar territory and unfamiliar...
0: What do you parents. mean about it? Tell us about that then. So you stepped up from co-pilot to captaincy. Yeah. How did that all come about then?
1: Uh, so it was a kind of a natural progression, really. Um, I joined the company as a co-pilot with the hopes of getting my captaincy and when I got enough hours and the time came um, that's exactly what happened and I was moved from the Cambridge base into the Touring world to sort of give me spread my wings, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> and uh, give me some extra experience in different flying environments. Because whilst East Ang- Anglia is lovely, it doesn't really present. Um, it's very flat.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Yeah. So there's not a lot of challenge when it comes to um, flying around terrain, or um, the weather is kind of predictable, and you know how like what's what's happening and things like that.
0: I always, I'm completely enamoured by the history of women pilots, especially in the Second World War, when yeah. they flew um, millions of miles, didn't they, just yeah. to deliver all these planes? Yeah, they're incredible. And and for me, it, it's bringing back women into the history books, isn't it? And mm. and you're actually making history now by being a pilot and, and being a captain, actually, which is phenomenal. <laughs> you know, hopefully, we don't have to sort of be so. Uh, surprised about that in 20 years time but it's a a credit to you do do you find that people are really shocked when you say I'm a captain, I'm a pilot?
1: Yes (laughs) (laughs) there are still uh, people that kind of yeah, ask me I step out the helicopter, walk straight past me looking for someone else, or they ask me what I do and I'm like, Well, I'm in a flying suit, so I'd like to think that you thought I was a pilot, otherwise I'm um, I'm not just serving tea. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. it's it's incredible. Well thank you so much for coming in today. It's no, thank it's you been very much really well it's been a pleasure having you here for Women Making Ways. Thank you very much, yeah, Jennifer. Captain Jennifer Stevenson. I rather like that. Yeah. <laughs> And that was Susie Thorpe speaking to Captain Jennifer Stevenson.